Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, May 31st in Hong Kong, Tuesday, May 30th in New York. And coming up today... The potential for AI's growth propels NVIDIA to become the first trillion-dollar chip maker. Goldman Sachs said to be planning another round of job cuts as deal-making dries up. And China's economic rebound may have slowed again this month. A lot of noise today on Capitol Hill about the debt ceiling bill. Pentagon says China conducted an unsafe flyby over the South China Sea. China calls for an accelerated rate of military capabilities. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. NVIDIA's market valuation crossing the $1 trillion threshold. Shares soaring since the company issued an AI-fueled sales forecast of $11 billion in the second quarter. That blew away Wall Street estimates and helped to grow NVIDIA's value by some $184 billion in a single day. Stock continued to gain this week after the company announced several new AI-related products. They touch on everything from robotics to gaming, advertising and networking. Bloomberg's Ian King tells us NVIDIA is trying to own the AI industry. If you look at it from the perspective of what they are providing and what they are trying to do, which is not just to sell to Google, to sell to Amazon, AWS, but to be like, hey, this thing works and it works bigger if we can bring companies into the fold, companies that don't have all of these data centers themselves and don't have all of these genius computer scientists. So NVIDIA is addressing that as well. Chipmaker there also hovering around some elite company, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple and Microsoft are the only American business to have a trillion dollar valuation. Fewer than 10 companies globally have actually managed to achieve this distinction. And, you know, Tencent was one, Rish, that got very close to a trillion dollars before falling back. And now it's less than half that uh, after um, we saw all those Chinese companies, tech companies uh, slide. Well, Goldman Sachs is considering another round of job cuts with deal-making remaining in a slum. The story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. 
It would be the third time Goldman Sachs has announced layoff plans in less than a year. According to Bloomberg, the next set of pink slips will affect less than 250 and will include more senior employees. Goldman Sachs eliminated several hundred positions last September, then cut 3,200 jobs at the beginning of the year. Rival Morgan Stanley is also reducing its workforce. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. All right, well, let's uh, take a look now at uh, what the SEC has been doing because the Securities and Exchange Commission is inquiring about how private equity companies steered deposits, including client funds, out of Silicon Valley Bank before its collapse. Here's Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Sources tell Bloomberg the Securities and Exchange Commission's Examinations Unit has requested records of some investment firms' money transfers and investor communications over the first three weeks of March, as well as emails with SVB. They say some questions focused on whether executives with personal accounts at the bank cashed out before clients and where deposits went. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. Tesla CEO Elon Musk met with Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gong in Beijing on Tuesday. He said the interests of China and the U.S. are intertwined, according to a government statement. The release also cited Musk as saying that Tesla opposes decoupling from China and is willing to keep expanding in the country. Let's get more here from Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. It's a good opportunity in the first instance for Tesla to take more market share of uh, domestic sales relative to domestic peers in the EV space. It produces a lot of vehicles out of Shanghai, but not, doesn't sell uh, proportionately as many of those in that domestic market. But of course, as well, uh, an expansion of Shanghai is underway, as Bloomberg reported, according to sources, a new generation Model 3 is nearing the trial phase of production in that plant. So critical market for production. But as Dan Ives of Webbush notes, a key opportunity to expand domestic sales as well. We hear Musk is also expected to visit Tesla's Shanghai factory, and he'll potentially meet with Premier Li Chiang to discuss automated driving technology. Tesla is seeking to introduce that in China. Tesla accounted for almost a quarter of Shanghai's total automotive production value last year. And investors like the story of Musk in China, I suppose, because Tesla traded up 4.1% in the latest session. Well, let's uh, have a look at China's economic rebound. Uh, it's uh, expected perhaps to uh, have stuttered again, as it were, uh, this month in May. Joanna Wong has more from Hong Kong. China's PMIs this month are likely to show the factory sector continuing to shrink. Back in April, the official manufacturing PMI fell steeply and showed contraction. Mixed data since then suggests little movement in May. Economists surveyed expect the official PMI to stay below 50 at 49.5. And the non-manufacturing index likely fell to 55.2 from 56.4. Robust spending during the Labor Day holiday was probably not enough to offset slower growth in other areas areas. Further signs of slowing will likely add to the case for more stimulus. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. So that's the approach that we're taking. That's balanced between Bloomberg Economics View and also the survey that we do of economists. <laughs> However, yesterday, if you were listening to the program, you probably heard us uh, reporting that China Beige Book uh, and also Goldman Sachs citing some other indices, PMI indices, uh, to suggest that we may have seen a pickup in May. So it really sets up as an interesting uh, result today when we get that. Uh, Jamie Dimon will be sitting down with Bloomberg at just about noontime or so. That's after our show, but we 
we will bring that interview to you live at 11.55. Steve Engel will be in on that. And this is part of J.P. Morgan Chase's China Summit. And as mentioned, more on Elon Musk in China coming up. And Japan saying that it will take action if needed on the rapid weakening of the yen. Right now, it's around the lowest levels that we've seen since last November. We did get intervention last year. At the moment, dollar yen is at 139.82. And the top currency official, Masato Kanda, flexing his muscles there about what the uh, Japanese government might do. Now it's time for global news. Japan has warned residents to shelter from a North Korean missile threat. Ed Baxter has that and other global news from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, Brian, and this is uh, developing as we speak. Uh, Seoul City as well has sent an alert to residents. And uh, uh, South Korea is to hold a meeting to review the national security status. Now, this appears to be the satellite launch that the North has been talking about uh, for several weeks, maybe a, uh, for several days, maybe a week. South Korea's military says it is a space launch vehicle. Now, the North did notify Japan two days ago that it planned the launch between May 31st today and June 11th. Japan warned it would put its defenses on alert and shoot down any projectile that threatens its territory. Tokyo did say it expects the rocket to be fired over the Southwest Island chain. It did so in 2016. So as I say, looking for more information, it does appear to be that satellite launch. A lot of public debate today between congressional leaders regarding the debt bill ceiling in the U.S. A lot of debate, a lot of noise, a lot of smoke. We'll find out as we uh, head for the House vote, uh, which should come on the entire bill uh, probably Thursday. Now, today, the right wing of the Republican Party, the self-called Freedom Caucus, has come out very strongly. Republican Representative Chip Roy here. The Club for Growth, scoring against it. The Heritage Foundation, scoring against it. Freedom Works, scoring against it. Ron DeSantis, publicly opposed. President Trump said he thought we should default rather than pursue this kind of lunacy. But Republican Tom Cole of the moderate section of the party. In a true negotiation, you always get less than you want and give up more than you'd like. But with the passage of the Fiscal Responsibility Act, we'll responsibly lift the debt ceiling and avoid a default that would devastate the American economy. And that's what Speaker Kevin McCarthy is saying. When the Freedom Caucus talks about wants the spending back to 2022, the non-defense is back lower than 2022. Veterans get more money and defense gets more money. Now, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, in an exclusive interview on Bloomberg Radio and Television, says Republicans need to step forward and pass this. How many votes will the Republicans produce? This is an agreement that, at their insistence, they negotiated with the administration. And it's our full and complete expectation that they are going to produce at least 150 votes. We as Democrats are going to make sure uh, that we do not default on our nation's debt. America should always pay our bills. Yeah, so uh, Jeffries tells Bloomberg that he will have the Democratic votes needed. It will be up to moderate Republicans. So where are we really regarding passage. Well, Bloomberg's Jack Fitzpatrick says there's one representative considering calling for McCarthy's removal, but other than that... So we're finding more no votes on the bill, but it still seems to have a pretty good path forward, and McCarthy is dealing with uh, some minimal pushback to his speakership. Again, he has a narrow majority in the House. Uh, There is a bit of pushback, but a lot of the Republicans who have complaints are, are focused on the bill rather than McCarthy himself. So again, McCarthy says a bill will be brought forward tomorrow, probably 
result of the vote on Thursday. U.S. Pentagon says a Chinese jet conducted unprofessional intercept last week. Statement says a jet flew directly in front of a U.S. reconnaissance aircraft over the South China Sea. And China's President Xi Jinping has told his military officials to accelerate efforts to modernize the national security defenses because of complexity and toughness of security issues facing the country. And he says it's notably increased. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat. And just getting a couple of quick lines here, one from Kyoto, that Japan doesn't see the missile from North Korea uh, as landing in its territory. And also from Yonhap talking about the South Korean side, saying that the projectile would not be affecting the Seoul area. Our guest is Christina Hooper, Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco with us. So I love it. You've got the good, bad, and the ugly. We can get to that in a few moments. Uh, and and also, we, we want to take a closer look at uh, central banks and, and what they're doing. I, I, I thought the line from uh, Cliff Asnes was kind of interesting. So let me ask you about uh, what he said, that stocks are kind of in a scary place here if the U.S. actually enters recession. Do you uh, concur with that view? Um, I don't concur um, very strongly with that view. And, and I'll tell you why. Because stocks tend to discount uh, what's going to happen in the economy nine, 12 months out. So I think stocks have already discounted the economic downturn. And I think mm. what we're likely to see is that as we move through the back half of this year, stocks will start to discount an economic recovery. Does that mean we're going to see turbulence in the near term? Yes, probably. But I don't think we're going to see any kind of dramatic drop in stocks. I think we saw the bottom last October. Um, and, and the future, if we hold on long enough, uh, to me, looks fairly positive for equities. You say that uh, perhaps, uh, you know, this has been priced in, but I mean, NASDAQ's up 25% nearly, and we've got an S&P 500 nearly 10% higher. So, you know, I beg to differ that they are actually pricing in a recession. <laughs> well, you know, they're already starting to, in my, in my view, um, they've already started to price in a, a, a better future. But I think that 
what we're likely to see is a risk-off environment in the coming months. There's just way too much uncertainty. Um, but, but I do believe ultimately we'll get to that point where there will be resolution of the big issues that have created uncertainty, like, of course, the debt ceiling, uh, like what exactly the Fed and other central banks are going to do, and they will st- and, and markets will start to anticipate that economic recovery. I think this downturn, um, if even if it's a recession, I think it's going to be rather mild and brief. And, and yeah. so discounting should happen soon. Well, it's such an interesting market because if, if you look at it from one standpoint, oh, it's so narrowly focused and it's only the AI related stocks and tech that's, you know, been um, been really um, doing the uh, the gains. But, um, you know, you also have on the on the losing side, the whole banking sector has struggled a bit. And then if you look at cyclicals and value stocks and the equal weight index is essentially flat. So it's not like it has been bad. It just hasn't been great. No, and and it's very true that this is a a very narrow market, but that is often the case uh, in this portion of the cycle um, when when uh, we are heading into a downturn and there is defensive positioning. And this, of course, has been exacerbated uh, by this excitement over A.I., which brings us nicely on to talk about uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what are they? <laughs> so the good is that it appears that finally the White House and House Republicans have struck a deal on the debt ceiling. Um, that's old news at this point, but I still think it's good. That was one of the big sources of uncertainty hanging over markets in recent weeks. Now, of course, it is not a done deal, so yeah. it can always be scuttled. We can always have some hiccups along the way, but that to me is good. Okay, The, the bad? bad? <laughs> well, investors can then turn their attention more fully on central banks. And it's clear that central banks are very anxious about uh, inflation becoming entrenched. Inflation has certainly uh, proven to be a bit stickier than we'd like to see. And of course, we have to worry that they are going to be more aggressive than they need be because they're spooked. Okay. And the ugly? The ugly, the disinflationary process is very imperfect, and we have to recognize that. We're going to see spikes along the way. We're going to see disappointing data points. It doesn't mean that we're not part of the disinflationary. uh, We're not going through a disinflationary process, but it can be ugly. So, Christina, you know, I was watching surveillance last night before going to bed and, you know, they had a section where they're talking about uh, the U.S. exceptionalism and that perhaps uh, this is just an example of how they created this driving force of AI, in a sense, uh, powering the market. Uh, Unemployment is not going up. Uh, The the economy is faring pretty well. And it's just an example of the the rest of the world can be doing what it's doing, but the U.S. is doing just fine. It seems like you're kind of in that camp. Well, I think there's certainly some truth to that, but I wouldn't buy into it um, entirely. I'm, let's face it, the U.S. has gotten lucky in a, in a lot of respects. But one of those key um, sources of strength for the U.S. is also something that other um, Western developed economies are experiencing, uh, per not, perhaps not at the same level, but we have a very low unemployment rate. Now, that has proven to be problematic when it comes to services ex housing inflation, but it also should be part of, you know, one of the key reasons why uh, the U.S. will will weather this economic downturn and, and likely get out with, with few scars. 
Well, Christina, I mean, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly was part of the dollars trilogy. It was the last one after a fistful of dollars and a few dollars more. Where can I get those dollars? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, this is, you know, we have to recognize that uh, I hate to say the term this time is different, but this is a unique environment because we are in a post pandemic world. And so we had an artificial driving up of inflation um, to a very dramatic level. We also have some some real structural issues with the labor market, with housing uh, that are conspiring to keep in uh, some components of inflation stickier. Um, but but this is an environment in which uh, I think we are going to be able to have a bumpy landing. Uh, it will not be a hard landing. It will not be a soft landing. It will be a bumpy landing. Um, And then, of course, I think the U.S. is poised to recover um, and certainly has has some real, um, really uh, helpful factors in its favor, including the fact that most U.S. um, consumers who own homes have fixed rate long term mortgages. Yeah, that that is a central point. I I didn't want to get into that when it's talking about uh, the discussion on surveillance last night. But one of the guests was saying you can't underestimate how important it is for consumers to have 30 year fixed mortgages when in the UK and throughout other places, Europe and certainly over here, we have uh, variable rate mortgages and and it can be tough. Final question, because we can't ignore China. It's a difficult question for Jamie Dimon and Elon Musk to talk about decoupling versus is de-risking. How do you see it? Well, I think that uh, certainly we'll go through patchy spots in in relationships, but I do believe um, that this is remains a global economy. Um, we've taken a few steps back, uh, but but I, I think that China is very much a part of this global economy, uh, and uh, and there will be a way to make it work. I also think there's a real attractiveness uh, the the growing middle class in China cannot be ignored. It's such a powerful economy that uh, that U.S. companies and, quite frankly, um, companies all over the world uh, will continue to clamor to do business yeah. in China. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York. Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. 
More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.